Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third episode of Pot Ado Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Williams. And I'm your other host, Clara Peterson. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We are just getting back to New York and settling in to routine after the holidays. So um, making some New Year's resolutions and all kinds of things like that. I, of course, want to dance more, as usual, among other things. Uh, What about you, Jess? I haven't made any dance-related resolutions, but I would like to make sure that I see more shows this year and I was really excited I was looking through the Joyce season and saw a lot of performances coming up that I think would be interesting to see Um, some of which are the Royal Danish Ballet Netherlands Dance Theater the Junior Company um, Ballet West which I just kind of want to see um, because of the um, show that Ballet West had a couple years ago so I think that would just be interesting. What show did they have? It was a reality TV show based oh. on Ballet West. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I missed think, that. I think you can watch it all on Hulu, or I've watched it on Hulu previously. Oh, And they wow. might be still on. Um, but I believe that the OC presented it. Um, oh. And it was really cheesy and dramatic, but I loved it. <sighs> And I can't wait to see them perform. That's awesome. I did not know they made a reality show out of ballet yet, but that's the perfect, perfect place to go for drama and reality craziness. Yeah. That's awesome. You would love it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, And besides that, there is also a performance by Dorrance. (gasps) My favorite. Yeah, who we saw at Jacob's Pillow a couple summers ago, and Mm -hmm. they really are a wonderful company, and it sounds like they're starting to blow up in New York City. Awesome. Actually, so Netherlands and Dorrance are two of my absolute favorites right now, and I realized why the Danish ballet triggered a reaction on my part. Um, I don't know if I have actually seen them, but one of our guests, Naomi, who we interviewed last time, is from Denmark, right? Mm -hmm. And the two dancers who are featured in the dance film I made this past year are both Danish as well. So I'm yeah. really interested in what's coming out of Denmark. Yeah. We should see all of those shows together. That sounds great. Yeah, we Very will. Cool. Very cool. Any other New Year's resolutions? Um, besides that, I just plan to meditate 10 minutes a day, but that's really it. Awesome. I feel like it has some overlap with dance because it's supposed to focus you and help you get your energy centered. Do you feel like it's sort of related? In that way? Yeah, absolutely. I think any physical practice that you can do to center your thoughts and get out of your head and more into your body is um, just a really good practice. And dance has always been that for me. Um, But I do find that as I'm getting older and maybe I'm not able to get into the dance studio as much, I am looking for sort of a daily practice that will bring me to the same place. Yeah. Have you ever successfully done that yet through meditation? Um, I get there sometimes. Other days it's Mm -hmm. harder. But I do find the more I do yoga and meditation, the easier it is to get to that place where I'm present Mm -hmm. and my thoughts are not all over the place. Interesting. I've never successfully done that. I feel like with ballet, it absolutely helped center me and focus me, and I'd feel so good after class when I didn't have terrible classes, obviously. But with meditation and even with yoga, I've tried and... There's something that's 
so boring in a way because with dance you're used to the physical stimulation and like the mental stimulation there's so much going on in your head and your emotional stimulation and everything all at once I feel like it's hard sometimes to take a step back and do normal exercise for example or just something meant to focus you without all the other elements going on but I'm hoping to get there too because as one gets older it is hard to find time to go into the studio but (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, cool. Um, I don't have any official resolutions with dance, but I always know that I really need to get back into class. Like, I feel the difference in my um, moods and emotions and the way I react to people and everything. So, Are there any classes that you want to start taking again? or? Well, I mean, I always want to go to ballet at least once a week or as much as I can make myself go because that's where I come from and I think... That's what makes me feel the best. I love hip-hop, and I really want to figure it out and be able to do it, but I tried last spring. I went once, at least once a week for a little while, and like every class, even the beginning classes sometimes, I just failed so badly that I would walk out feeling miserable. And I was like, this is totally not the point. I'm supposed to feel energized from at least moving my body. And instead, I felt like, this is so cool. I want to be able to do it, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Do you think if you went to more classes, maybe you would get to a point where you didn't feel the same frustration? Maybe. And I keep telling myself, well, you only went for a month or two. You could just, as was the original plan, literally like go to hip hop classes every every week for a year and see what happens. It's important to just release your energy through dance. Absolutely. And we have a new year to make ourselves go to class. Yeah. At least for a month before the resolutions fall away. <laughs> so anyway, uh, today we are actually chatting with a good friend, Ben Richards, and we'll ask him about his resolutions as well, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, ben is a freelance video artist in New York City. He's also a choreographer and a dancer. He was uh, based in Montreal for a while, and now he's living in New York. And actually, Jess and I initially met Ben at Jacob's Pillow um, Dance Festival that we always talk about in the Berkshires. Uh, two summers ago, I think. Ben's worked there for five summers now in a row, uh, which is awesome. We're excited to talk to him about all of his experience. Welcome, Ben. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yay. (laughs) So any resolutions, since we were just talking about that? Uh, Resolutions. Uh, Well, I have the delightful American resolution of making a lot more money. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's one (laughs) resolution I intend to... uh, pursue. Um, nice. I, I'm also joining America in the regular resolution of going to the gym more frequently. Gym. Yeah. As I alluded before, I have trouble with the gym because it feels kind of boring coming mm-hmm. from dance. Although, who am I kidding? I'm not coming from dance anymore. It has been at least 10 years since I've had any regular dancing. Um, but Jess, we've talked about this before, cross-training, so important. Yeah. Like if you start going to the gym and then you go to a dance class... So important. Recently, I was taking um, a ballet class, and I was so amazed by how much stamina and energy I had. And it was like I had been taking ballet class for a while, but I hadn't mm-hmm. been in class. But it was because I was working out at the gym regularly that mm-hmm. my muscles were just actually functioning for once. And you weren't wearing them out in the patterns of ballet. You mm-hmm. were at the dance class. You were cross-training like you were. You were saying, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I've, I've, I've been going to the gym a lot more in the last few years. Um, 
because my goals have shifted a bit. Mm. Um, I mean, mm. used to be focused on flexibility and 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 speed, and now I'm more interested in um, bulking up and actually putting on weight. Really? So, I mean, you can only do that with resistance training. So I so I have to go to the gym to do that. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So it's like okay. I did not like the gym culture originally. Yeah. But over the years, I've actually kind of fallen in love with it. Um, oh. I've been able, I've had enough good experiences to kind of have a good association with it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there is hope. There okay. is hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with a trainer for last year for for four months, and that shifted things a lot as well. Okay. Can't afford him anymore, but um, yeah. um, but that period really was was formative as well. Just realizing what I could do to shape my own body in a way that was very different from. Everything I had done in my dance studies, my yoga, my mm. my other my other kind of movement um, movement work. Yeah, I feel like um, yeah, it's it's important for stamina, especially my stamina has plummeted mm-hmm. in recent years. So I'm trying to go and just run on a treadmill sometimes too, just to keep that keep that up. So anyway, uh, Ben, tell us about all of the ways that you have been involved in dance making because you do a lot of different things with dance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I first started doing dance when I did when I was a little kid. Uh I guess third and fourth grade, my mother took me to like street jazz and hip hop classes. Oh. And I was I was always like the one boy in a in a class of entire girls. It was entirely girls, <laughs> and I was the one who always knew the choreography the best. <laughs> so I was always put in front and they would follow me. Um but that that actually I wouldn't actually say that was the beginning of my dance life. Um, it was just a, something that happened, and then I did a lot of theater when I was a teenager, um, and then some musical theater and choir and band, um, and then I w- went to film school coming out of high school. Um, I was um, I had been doing a lot of video work before that um, in. Even in elementary school, I trained at Access Cable Sacramento, um, which Access which Access Sacramento had a very well funded and very well put together public um, public TV program. So you could actually go there as a resident of Sacramento and take classes for dirt cheap, like ten bucks for a um, for a camera operation class or an editing class or a live studio class. Um, and it was really, really great. Um, what, what was kind of amazing about doing that at that point in my life, because like I said, it was middle school. I was, yeah. it was quite young. Um, but what was awesome about that is it was um, digital had not come out yet. Digital, was, digital existed, but digital had not really hit the um, consumer environment yet. So I was actually working with analog video, go, um, doing tape to tape, um, so SVHS and Betamax and things like that. Um, so now... In my current career as a as a as a videographer, people my age who are doing the, the things that I'm doing, most of them don't have that analog experience. So that's been quite quite a boon for me. Um, so that that was that was my beginning of video. Um, then through high school, I did I founded the um, like a film club. We tried to do a, a high school broadcast, um, which never really got off its feet. But we filmed a few episodes and tried to make some student films in high school. Uh, we did this, like, action film that was dreadful, but it was wow. so fun. <laughs> did you make it? Like, could we watch it? God, I don't even know where it lives <laughs> Can anymore. Can we put it on our website? <laughs> <laughs> God, I should dig that up. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and then I went, actually went to film school in, in San Francisco. I did that for two years. 
um, learned absolutely nothing from film school. Um, (laughs) Left film school because I was frustrated, um, switched to business, and then took a break, and then had a little come-to-Jesus moment. I was like, what am I Mm. doing with my life? Mm. Um, And... What brought me to dance professionally at that was was at that age, and it was kind of looking at what am I passionate about in life. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I was most obsessed with at that point in my existence <laughs> was Cirque du Soleil. I had been I had discovered Cirque du Soleil in high school, owned all of the soundtracks, would see those shows anytime they would come into town, tried to find the DVDs when they were releasing films, which there's so many now, but there was only, Mm. like, two at that point Mm -hmm. um, on video that you could watch. Um, And I was just obsessed. Um, And it was the synergy of of perfection of movement uh, and extreme movement Mm -hmm. um, that is artistically lined up with great music and great lighting, great stagecraft. Um, And... I, and I also really loved the uh, comedy dell'art aesthetic that they that they mm. played with. That was that was so popular, and when they were big. What is that? Um, I've heard the term, but I don't know if I've ever looked it up. <laughs> yeah, ooh, you're gonna challenge my definition defining it. Um, I mean, it's a, it comes Rough. from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> comedy dell'art. It's yeah. a French term. Um, but it's uh, it's kind of I would say it's. The best way to describe it is the French is European clowning. Okay. Um. So it's kind that of like serious sense. clowning almost. Okay. There, there, there's kind of a a dark drama to it, mm. even though there's real humor. Yes. Um. Okay. As opposed to the totally. Barnum and Bailey clowning that is, um, completely showy. Okay. Um. I would mm. I'd say comedy del art has. Well, it has an artistic edge to it, a very artistic statement okay. to make at the same time of the levity and humor it's trying to portray as well. Did I don't know if you remember Trois Etages at Jacob's Pillow mm-hmm. like three years ago, I think, which yes. was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, um, yeah their the whole clowning the thing that they were doing. Yeah, that, that yeah. theme that was going through with the, yeah. the, the Master of Ceremonies guy who is in the, like, crushed velvet jacket mm-hmm. and the white face clowning that they, the um, characters that came on. I would say that's very comedy del art. Okay. Um, gotcha. Tends gotcha. to be a lot of, yeah, makeup and masks as well. Okay. And that's common. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, so, I, so looking at that and realizing that I was obsessed with Cirque du Soleil, I realized, how do you even begin to study that? Right. I wasn't a gymnast when I was a kid, even though okay. I wanted to be. Me too. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yes. I always asked my parents to got... take me to, gym, to gymnastics, and <laughs> they never did. You got hip-hop. <laughs> I got hip-hop instead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how do you start that kind of training? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I take a dance class. Mm-hmm. So I, my parents were desperate for me to actually finish my degree. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I went back to college and switched to a dance degree, um, and that changed everything. I, like, I didn't know what... The, how broad and how dynamic the dance world was until mm-hmm. I became a student of it in professionally in, uh, when I was 24 years old. Um, and my program took oh. me through all the basics. So I took my ballet class, my modern class, jazz, African-Caribbean, tap. Um, but um, that's, uh, that, that my, my passion definitely shifted from circus to what dance is because there is so much there that is rich and beautiful yeah so i finished that degree and um it kind of came full circle right after i graduated i got an internship at jacob's pillow dance festival as uh in the video department 
So I was returning to my technology roots and to my video and my AV roots and um, was filming dance. And while you were at Jacob's Pillow for your internship, um, what did they have you do at your internship with video work? Um, there's a joke that Jacob's Pillow is run by interns. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of true in a sense because there were 32 interns. Um, Wow. For in various departments. So there's mm. the the video interns, the box office and ticketing and marketing and um, development, business, uh, and production is the biggest department. Um, there's a couple of others that I'm forgetting at the moment. Um, but the what's different about, a, about an internship at Jake's Pillow compared to a lot of other internships is you're not running and getting coffee for the people who are doing the work. You're doing the work. You really are. It is, you're in it, you're hands-on, and you're running the festival, which is really quite beautiful. Um, and, but it's a lot of work, too. Uh, I, yeah. So the video department, there's the head of the video department, um, and then there's it's – actually, it's actually grown in the, last, in the five years since I've started. When I was an intern, it was just the head of, the, head of video – um, a brand new apprenticeship, and then um, uh, and then the two interns. Now it's now my position was created a couple of years after that, um, and we're talking about maybe adding another. So it's 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 the department's growing because we're actually doing more. Um, mm. But the, the me and my fellow intern, we filmed. I think our estimate is two hundred and fifty hours worth of footage in the summer during the summer festival. Wow. Um, then we have to process that, organize it, um, burn it to DVDs and Blu-rays, get that to, get that to artists uh, and students. Because um, we're not just filming the dance concerts. We, film the, we do film the dance concerts on all three stages, which is the, uh, the Inside Out stage, the Doris Duke, and the, and the Ted John Theater. Okay. Um, we also film all the classes that happen. So it's a school that happens the whole summer long. Mm -hmm. There's four programs. Um, so we film all the work that the students do. We also film all the talks that happen. So they have two one-hour talks um, every week. Um, we film those discussions. Then there's the post-show talks. So after the shows, they have conversations with the artists that they do every week. So it's it's a lot of footage. Yeah. And you've been filming all of these things for the last five years? Yeah. Hasn't it? Wow. Yeah. Wow. As I've moved into staff and moved kind of up in the ranks, um, I actually do a lot less filming, um, okay. uh, do a lot more supervising and a lot more mm -hmm. editing. Um, I've moved into more into the post-production world and actually producing things for the web mm -hmm. um, while the interns are much more uh, on the, the production side of things where they're actually capturing the content. Um, and are in the field, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. And so the footage that you're recording, it's archived in what they call Jacob's Pillow archives? Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, it's a very extensive archive. I mean, um, Ted Sean, when he founded Jacob's Pillow back in the 30s, um, he, um, he, was always, he was always an advocate for continuing the conversation of the academics of dance. So not just presenting mm -hmm. dance, but really trying to get people to talk about it and to, to educate them on it um, and to also preserve it. Um, there, is, there is footage from that era, um, from the 40s, um, and I think some from the 30s as well. Um, wow. Some like yeah. hand-cranked hand 
um, cameras. So and so it, the archives goes back that far. We didn't start rec- the the festival didn't start recording everything until the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a big gap where we just have little bits and pieces of what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. But nowadays we film absolutely everything, um, and it's all accessible. the The archive is technically available year round. Anyone can make an appointment and go. Um, there is a um, the director of preservations, Norton Owen, he, he, he works there uh, all, all year round. And is that in the Berkshires? You'd have to go? Uh, yeah, so you'd have okay. to go to the Berkshires. Um, the, and then during the festival season, it's actually open like a, like a viewing room. So, you can, so patrons okay. come in all the time and just say, hey, I was here 30 years ago. Any chance you have footage of me? And we often do. Wow. It's, it's really it's really quite beautiful sometimes when we're able to and it's not just video they have um photographs and letters and kind of and costumes many many things that really um that are all connected with the history that is there wow um and what is the dance interactive project then that you have been working on and are currently working on how is that different from the archives? Yes, so um, the year I started at the Pillow in 2010, the Pillow had gotten a, a very large grant to um, switch to HD. Um, so they bought new cameras, new, new computers, new editing software. And mm-hmm. a second part of that grant was to actually produce an online archive. Mm-hmm. Um, that project was named Dance Interactive. Okay. And um, it was a website that was built to actually house. Um, uh, individual pages for the companies that have been here or artists. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's an artist, sometimes it's a company. Uh, it depends. Um, since 2010, we have put every company that has come to the pillow on the two main stages on Dance Interactive. I've also That's been great. responsible for going back in time and putting finding companies from the past and putting them online as well. So the, mm-hmm. it's a constant. It's an ever growing resource um, and. It's a very well-curated resource. Okay. So there's a lot of thought and a lot of discussion that goes into every post. Um, they're, 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 they're pretty succinct, so they're very digestible. Mm-hmm. You can dive in very easily and find things either – find uh, content either by genre, era, or name. Okay. Um, or you can even – there's a small little game you can play too where it just shows you a clip and gives you four, four – company names and you have to guess who it is okay <laughs> um awesome. but the but these clips um they're usually about two minutes long so we're not trying to post somebody's entire work mm-hmm. uh, and that's mostly for protecting the in- intellectual property of the artists because mm-hmm. that is the one thing they have it is their um it is their property that they that they have to tour the world with right um yeah. so we're simply trying to give people a chance to get exposure to the artist and a sampling of it without mm-hmm completely distributing their work to everyone. Um, and then there is a, bi- a biography of the artist that includes um, links to artists that they, are, links to other artists in Dancer Interactive that they have worked with. So for example, a mm-hmm. clip by Martha Graham is gonna have links to Paul Taylor and to, and to Merce Cunningham because they all danced with, with her and vice versa. Yeah. And then as the archive grows, um, Norton Owen has, a magnificent spreadsheet that he keeps track of all these links and he keeps adding them. So he'll go back to posts that have already been published. And if, if there's a link to be a- added, such as um, 
Uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Varishnikov. <laughs> Varishnikov. <Come on. laughs> <laughs> no, there's a um, uh, John Hagenbotham recently came oh, to the, the pillow, so he he's he's an emerging name. Um, okay. But he danced with uh, Mark Morris, mm. so he was in the Mark Morris company, and now he's spun off and done his own thing. Uh, really interesting work. Mm. Um, and but when his when his entry was added to the archives um to the dance interactive site he was linked to mark morris and then mark morris was linked to him because mark morris has been there since we started mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome yeah i've used yeah. the site whenever i see a company coming through new york or even at the pillow and i kind of recognize the name i think i might be interested in seeing them but i don't really know what they do i've turned to dance interactive and watched the clips and I love it. I think it's great. A lot of times promo reels are very cut up. So you'll see a couple seconds of a dance yes. and then a couple seconds of another, which is hard to get a, an impression from. So, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think it's really cool that you get to work on that. And uh, what is it like staying at Jacob's Pillow in the summer and working with everyone? And I'm sure that you get to meet a lot of artists. What is it like being at Jacob's Pillow? I mean, the joke is it's dance camp, which it really yes. is. Um, <laughs> it actually is. <laughs> it actually is, yeah. I mean, you're in the woods, the Berkshire Mountains, and um, we do have bears and various things that... Have you seen a bear? I have not seen a bear, and I'm actually, actually very <laughs> upset about that, because everyone always sees the bears in the summer, and I've yet to see one in the five years I've been there. I always and... show up just when the bear has been chased off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've seen plenty of other things. Lots of porcupines. Apparently, baby porcupines, their laughter sounds like a creepy clown. Oh. I did not know that until this last summer. They laugh? <laughs> they, well, they They're make cry. a sound. They're... Oh, my God. Yeah. There was one on creepy. our porch, and I was just like, we, was, we, got, we went silent for a moment because we were just chatting, but like there was a lull in the conversation. And then a creepy clown laugh behind us. <laughs> and we lost our shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Just terrifying. That's so funny. When we go next year, if our friends don't listen to this, which would actually make them bad friends. But if they don't and we hear that, we have to freak them out because we'll know that it's just a porcupine. And they'll be like, oh, my God, what is that? There's a clown in the woods. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We have to find one. Um, is there drama? I mean... I, yes, absolutely. I mean, awesome. it's you're, you're living on campus with these people for months. Um, the drama actually tends to be more between the students, though, because the students mm. are they're younger and their their visit is more compact. Yeah. Um, they they're usually there for two to three weeks while we're here all summer, so we just kind of try to chill out as much as we can. Yeah. But they're 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 amped up when they when they get there and. Um, yeah, there's, there's drama that happens there. I mean, we only have one place to socialize, and that's the pub on campus. So. Which is like the size of a New York apartment kitchen. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> it's like it tiny. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you get to see so much dance from around the world. I've, mm-hmm. I've got, like, most of my exposure has come from Jacob's Pillow because so much comes through there in your, when you're working there. Um, and you're hanging out with these people, like like after after they've done their show, you're in the pub drinking a PBR with somebody from Georgia, from um, from India, or wherever else. Um, yeah. Do you have any fun stories about any choreographers or dancers that you've met? Um. Well, I remember uh, I, I've DJed a couple times for their for the cast parties that they throw every Saturday night. Oh, nice. I remember when Bill T. Jones came. Uh, I think it was. I can't remember. I think it was the first time he was at the Pillow when I was there. I mean, 
mm. um, first time I saw him. Mm-hmm. I'm about getting really happy when I made when I got uh, Bill T. Jones to dance in the middle of the dance floor to Sean Paul's "Get With It." <laughs> that was a very satisfying moment in my life. <laughs> I'm somehow not surprised. <laughs> um, what else? I mean, Mark Morris walking on stage with. Um, so post-show talks usually happen with one of our scholars and residents mm. um, actually having a conversation with, with the artist. Well, last year, Mark Morris um, took, uh, took a stand and said he's not going to come out with one of our scholars and residents. Instead, he walked on stage alone with a chair and a glass of wine and proceeded to talk to the audience. <laughs> he didn't take any questions? Oh. <laughs> uh, I think he, no, he did take a few questions in the end, yeah. But, I was just, but it was... So Mark Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever just sat down in the pub and formed a relationship with um, one of the dancers or someone you admired who you had seen on stage? Yes. Not nearly as often as I wish I had. Um, that, that was one of those things that was always my, always my resolution. Every year I'd show up at mm-hmm. the pillow. I'm like, this is the year I'm going to like really talk to artists more frequently. Mm-hmm. And my own introverted nature is like, it didn't happen nearly as much as I wanted it to. Um, but I've yeah. I, I've still met some pretty pretty awesome people. I remember last year there was a gentleman from um, um, from Italy uh, who is with a company called TPO um, mm. who does they do kind of technology based children's shows. Mm. Um, and I remember just chatting with him and having a great time meeting them him and his and his company. Um, uh, Louise Lacavalle. I don't know if you know her. I've heard of the name. So she, um, she's from Montreal. She's been around for a very long time. She, she was really famous in the 80s um, mm. with La 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 Human Steps. Oh, yeah. You know that? Yeah. So she was, she worked with Edward Locke, the, the founder of La 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 Human. Not, he wasn't the founder. Yeah. Was he the founder? Something. Yeah. Anyways, the main guy, mm. the artistic director of La 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 Human Steps. Mm-hmm. So she was the one who, she was his muse. Um, and she would do this crazy stuff, these barrel turns that would go like horizontal to the ground and like fall on the floor. Wow. And she'd just do them repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And it was all set at that point to like 80s rock music. Like it was, it was the birth of grunge dance, but grunge concert dance, Whoa. which was so strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's still doing that stuff, and she's like our grandma's age. <laughs> Grunge concert dance. I'm writing yeah. down this new term. <laughs> That's awesome. Actually, yeah. I, might, I might be aging her a little bit more than than I meet you. <laughs> I say she's our grandma's age, but she's probably younger than that. But, but she, she looks younger. She looks younger. She's got a lot of she. A lot of her parts are fake right now because she's got a fake hip and a fake knees, and oh, she's still doing oh. it all. Wow. Yeah. And um, how has your exposure to all of the wonderful dance that comes through Jacob's Pillow um, changed your worldview of dance, or how do you perceive dance now? Mm. That's such a grand question, so <laughs> take it wherever question. you want. <laughs> take some time. Um, I mean, the more you see, the broader your horizons are. Um, and I've definitely seen... A lot there, um, a lot that I wouldn't have seen anywhere else, um, if for nothing else, for budgetary reasons. I mean, these mm-hmm. are companies that are that that are prima companies that you would pay mm-hmm. fifty, sixty, eighty bucks to see. So, but I was seeing them twice a week, <laughs> yeah. or if not more, sometimes multiple times. Um, I th- there's definitely some things I discovered. Um, and then there's some things I rediscovered. Um, so I would say I rediscovered ballet. 
Um, I mm. am not a ballet person. I mean, mm. I studied it, of course, but it was never my my passion, never my never what attracted me to dance. Mm. Um, I was definitely a contemporary type person and modern. Um, and just seeing some of the ballet that came through the pillow, it just shifted my my opinions. Like, really mm-hmm. showed me what ballet could be, um, and um, how dynamic it could be because i definitely had a narrow view of what ballet is yeah um and then discovering other things um i mean discovering indian dance like truly professional um concert indian dance Mm. that is stunning work uh, particularly with live music uh the music alone is is phenomenal to watch when they have when they have the musicians um and yeah i'd I'd say Mm -hmm. Just generally broadening my horizons in that sense. Also seeing what how different countries are, take on the dance conversation. Um, mm. So seeing um, Hong Kong Ballet two years in a row, that was really interesting because they, they're trying to create a, um, a state ballet like, like most areas have so you have mm. the new york city ballet you have the paris opera ballet you have the london ballet you have all these major states have, have a ballet company and Hong kong was, has been trying to do that um and one of the things that was really interesting to hear was the challenges they faced culturally to ballet um because it just isn't in their history it isn't in their vernacular mm. um many of their dancers are not from China, they've acted just like all dance, all ballet companies, they've been hired from around the world. Yeah. Um, but they've had a hard time actually developing a audience within their own country, um, simply because their country isn't looking for it. They, um, they would much rather see uh, at that at that level of high art, they'd much rather see classical Chinese um, opera or something. Um, and I, that oh. surprised me. I actually would have thought that. I would have thought that ballet was kind of accepted as a high art cultural tradition that everyone would want to see around the world. Yeah, <laughs> and especially in Hong Kong, I mean, some of the best dancers I've seen have been Asian dancers. I don't know why, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think right. I realized they didn't have the same. Obviously, ballet did not originate in Eastern Asia, but it seemed like it spread pretty quickly. I didn't know it spread, I guess, more slowly to those regions. That's mm. really interesting. And then also watching them take it on, too, it's um, the company grew phenomenally over the two years that I saw them. So, really? so the first time I saw them, I was, I was actually not a big fan. Mm. Second year I saw them, I was like, wow, they've... They've really stepped up their game. They've, really, they've grown as a company. To, I'd say technically, um, as a, as a as a um, um, as a unit, okay, they looked more together. Um, but one of the things, like you were saying te- about the technique, mm-hmm. um, is I had a hard time more with the first time they performed, really getting in, emotionally involved with what I was watching. Sometimes, oftentimes, the technique was phenomenal, and yet. Though the soul wasn't quite there, that, that kind of empathetic soul that that we that we look for, at least as Westerners in 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 watching dance. So that was an interesting observation. Yeah. Is that a relatively new company? Yes. I I look it up. Yeah, they're they're fairly they new. Started? Um, I don't mm-hmm. know how new, but um, they were 
I remember in their discussions, they, they were talking about still being formative. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear you talk about how um, you've seen them progress over time. That must be really fascinating to see a company actually grow in front of your eyes. Yes, yes. Another one that, that I saw that has changed a lot for me as well was um, Company Urbana de Dança um, from Brazil. Mm. I saw them two years in a row. Or maybe they might have been separated by a year. There might have been a gap there. It all blurs together after a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But um, the first time they performed, it was I was not a fan again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very dry. Um, um, it followed this trend. At least the first piece followed this dreadful trend of contemporary dance of not actually lighting your work. <laughs> so just like half of it was in darkness oh my gosh what am i watching and as a videographer i despise that (laughs) so everyone was like can you film my work and i was like not if you don't put light on your dancers (laughs) it's like the human eye can see can see a lot more light a lot more light than a camera can see yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so yeah and then the the next time i saw them they had so grown up so so they work with um Mm. um their entire company is urban dancers so Mm. it's youth um uh they have most of them are living in fairly in a bit of hardship they live in the favelas mm. of of brazil um and it has it's all based on kind of a hip hop vernacular um but it's strictly choreographed by the artistic director mm. um mm. so it's they have these they're, they're structured works and they have a message um but the first time it was just so dry and dull and monochromatic and the second time it was so much more passion and so much more, um, I felt like they really understood what they were doing more. They understood their message. They understood their, um, their unit and what they were accomplishing. Mm. Probably because that co- the company had been around the world a couple times, had yeah. experienced and grown as, as, as people and as actual mm. dancers. Um, so that was really exciting. Actually, to go back a little bit to you, you mentioned that you have focused more on contemporary and modern dance. Would you say that that is your preference and has always been your focus, not just with dance, but also choreography? Yes. So you are a choreographer as well. Um, I mean, as a late joiner, in, as, a, as a dancer, too, um, I mean, starting to train professionally at 24, mm-hmm. ballet was very inaccessible to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the body for it. Um, I could jump. I mean, that was great, but yeah. my plie and my landings was crap. <laughs> so I developed tendonitis in my um, Achilles yeah. quickly, and uh, I, my turnout wasn't great. Yeah. Um, I had great arches, and that was really about it. Um, so a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, that alone made ballet a bit unattractive because um, of its in- inaccessibility to my physical body. Um, but I liked... I like the feel of contemporary dance. I like the m- emotional moods it can get into and the the dirtiness of it and um um and the darkness of it sometimes. Um so so contemporary has always has always been my preference and what I like to both watch and create. Okay. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I like that avant-garde stuff, which is probably why I like Montreal so much was everything there is contemporary and avant-garde. 
Yeah. Talk, tell us about Montreal because <laughs> I always forget you're not even you're not from there. I always think you are. I, you're from California, but I know you spend a while in Montreal. I'm tell an, I'm an honorary that. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was there for three years, and I think Montreal is a great place for for emerging artists um, because there's the community is all about experimentation okay. and there's tons of little little it's really easy to have a little venue like i i had like three different friends who would all turn their their flats into their lofts into performance spaces and Whoa. um and there's and it's easy to get grants there um for research um at least used to be easy i don't know money's disappearing everywhere but i think one of the things that also i think is a big influence on why it's so avant-garde and and experimental is the language too Hmm. so it is a bilingual community um so you see almost no musical theater musical theater doesn't really have a place um there's the things that succeed very well are things that can be consumed by somebody who speaks either French or English at the same time. Ah, um, hence dance. Mm-hmm. Hence dance, and hence contemporary dance. Um, yeah. uh, it can be, it, the more abstract it is, the more accessible it is, in a sense. Mm. Um, because there isn't one message, there isn't one story, um, there isn't a, a, an, an actual synopsis that you have to read of yeah. like, oh, Cinderella is doing this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's a factor of it too. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I was really excited to hear you just say that in Montreal, it was or is easy to get grants for research. Mm-hmm. Um, that just blew my mind. Um, just because the thought of I'm giving you this money to research your craft. And I think it's a very different way of thinking about dance. Mm-hmm. And it's not a way that I hear a lot of choreographers um, talk about. I mean, obviously, they're researching, they're crafting every day that they're in the studio. Um, but just hearing that language be used, I don't know that the funding platform in the U.S. is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just thought that was very interesting. And Do you think it makes for a better piece if the choreographer researches what they're approaching? Or do you think are you thinking more of research generally? Um, yeah, I'm just thinking research generally. I'm just happy yeah. to know that, um, you know, grant funding can even be provided for that. And maybe... It is tied to a product, a performance, yeah. and maybe it's not. Um, here, it seems like work gets commissioned through grants. It is very much tied to a product. Mm. Um, but just hearing you say for research, it just really excited me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually kind of surprised when I first encountered those artists that are on research grants and was a little thrown for a loop when I was like, so, so what's the final product? What's your end game? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well... They rarely had one, um, and um, and many times they would say, "Well, we're still looking for the production grant." Like, mm-hmm. so, so the research grant was strictly for research. So they, um, I can th- I can think of specifically one that was a uh, they were it was more of a technology grant. Um, so they were they were doing research into um, bodies and technology, and. They were working through developing this um, software and and the whole product, um, but but they had absolutely no plan to actually 
distribute it because mm. that would that would require a completely different grant. Wow. So are you saying mm. that the research grants were usually sort of meant to produce a, a product, only there wasn't funding for that? Like people would have a research grant and they were they had an idea that in the end they would have like a piece that they had. Yeah, created, I, th- I think they, they don't come. I think the research grants often did not come with a requirement to produce a product. Right, so um, just... You have to report, of course, on what you're on what you're actually doing. But the yeah, the end game is different. Is way different than being commissioned or, wow. or something. Yeah. And and again, it just seems very different from the model here. Yeah. Here, it is very attached to the product. So. I guess compared to the Montreal experimental um, or more experimental dance scene that you've experienced there, um, can you draw any comparisons or contrast to dance that you've seen in New York City? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with a bit of a disclaimer, um, my experience of dance in Montreal and my experience of dance in New York um, has been very different because my experience in Montreal, I was a starving artist and then, and then just a, yeah, I was a starving artist. And so I, I, was, I was literally just trying to live the artist's life. And so I was mm. going to go see all these things that were happening. I was, I was actively looking for um, what, was going, what, what the conversation was in dance and seeing my friend's work and being in my friend's work and, and going to shows, going to these crazy little underground performances and such. So mm. that was the world I was living in and experiencing. Come to New York, um, my lifestyle just looks completely different. I'm an entrepreneur mm-hmm. here um, and uh, living the New York life. And so my exposure to dance has been uh, mostly through uh, paid work. So through I, film. Th- right. Through film, in, yeah. In so, space, so, yeah. So companies that have hired me, um, that I've been contra- contracted to film their work. So most of what I have seen in New York um, has uh, a more established companies that have the budget to pay for an expensive videographer. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually a lot of stuff I've seen in New York, I've seen at the Pillow. So I see New York mm-hmm. artists yeah. at Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival. Yeah. Um, so like I've never okay. seen uh, Kyle Abraham here in New York, but he's a New York artist. Okay. I've, but I've seen him tons of times at, at the Pillow. Yeah. Um, so... My just the, the world I'm living in, the dance world I'm living in, is just different while I'm here. Um, I do know I have had some exposure to the New York live arts scene. Um, they've been doing; they have a whole series that is for emerging artists. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is reminiscent of what I saw in Montreal. But one of the things I would say is really distinct is um, in New York, New York. New York dancers actually really move, like really physically move. And in Montreal, they're not, that, not as interested in moving. Um, huh. It's much more heady. Um, okay. it's, it's much more intellectual. It's much more minimal. Um, uh, it's also a lot heavier. Um, it's very, there's, there's very little ballet presence there. So that whole like artifice of, of dance that you experience in New York, whether it's... Mm. Um, the virtuosity of hip hop, or the or ballet, or the levity of ballet, um, or the um, precision of jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that's there in Montreal. It, it tends to have a, a weight to it. They work a lot in access syllabus, so they're really 
It's really grounded. They go to the floor a lot. Um, it's more about if they're moving. <laughs> it's more about actually showing the, the, the effort and showing the, the, the physical force of it, <clears throat> which is profoundly different from what you see happening in, in New York. And, and I think New York comes from a more commercial world. Um, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a little more digestible. Um, I was actually wondering before I was going to ask if it was almost the opposite because you mentioned that there isn't as much musical theater in Montreal, that mm-hmm. it's more, uh, well, less based in talking, I guess, yeah. because of the bilingual aspect. And a lot of what I see in the experimental scene here seems to be performance art where people are trying to mix theater and speaking and yes. with dance and I don't I don't like that for the most part because I like movement. Yeah. So actually that's good to hear that in this community there is a more of a focus on movement. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I heard C D Larby say that too when he was um uh when he when he was working with um Cedar Lake um and they were interviewing him about his opinions about doing dance in the New York scene and such. He said he loves coming over here because he doesn't have to justify moving. He feels like he's coming from the Europe, the European tradition. Everyone has, everyone asks you, why are you moving? You really have yes. to get into it. There has to be a reason. <laughs> and, and it's too conceptual. It's yeah, exactly. It's mm. it's, it's incredibly conceptual, and he, and he likes the freedom that he feels here because people are willing to just move. Wow, um, you don't. So there doesn't have to be an excuse for the soda basque. Like, yeah. yeah. We're running out of time a little bit, and I definitely wanted to make sure we asked you more about your transition to film because uh-huh. it sounds like maybe you left dancing and choreography a little bit behind in Montreal and transitioned to film after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, or whenever you did transition, um, what do you think is the benefit of putting dance on camera? I know that you've. You're focusing yeah. on dance with your film work. I mean, it's a profound question, and it's it's. I think it's as important of a question of for the dance maker themselves too. Of why is it a dance? Yeah. Like why why make this into a dance? Your your mm-hmm. your conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's equally important as why make why put dance on film. Yes. Yeah. Um and because sometimes it just isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but what dance but what film can add is. The camera itself can be a dancer. That's one thing that I find very exciting. It moves and it has um, it has a character to it, and it completely can it can tra- it can look at a stationary object, a stationary body, and in its own movement, simply by moving around that stationary object, can create really emotional experience, a really th- mm-hmm. and really enthralling experience. Um, so. That alone uh, is one of the things I love about the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you can just add elements and, tra- and transport dance into, ver- into spaces that you just can't do on stage. Um, you can take it to salt fields in Iceland. Um, you, can, you, can throw it, you can go underwater. You can bring in excessive elements, whether it's excessive light, excessive... Um, uh, environment, rain, uh, fire, I don't know. It's like all these things. It's like the you can invite things into the space in a larger scale and a more intimate scale mm-hmm. than you can on stage. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. I agree. What are some um, projects that you're working on or have worked on recently that you're excited about? 
Um, I just got back from Montreal doing a film shoot. Uh, I was a choreographer friend of mine who I went to school with at, at mm-hmm. uh, Concordia University. Um, she's been touring a piece for a while um, called For Body and Light um, mm-hmm. that she had done, that she had developed on research um, uh, up in Nova Scotia. And she's been working, and she's working with a spoken word artist who's pretty famous called Ian Ferrier. Um, he's, a, he's quite established as a spoken word um, artist in Canada. Um, uh, and so she brought me up to actually try to transpose it into film. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up doing filming for two days straight, 12-hour days. Um, and we tried to break the 45-minute piece into four short vignettes that are probably going to be about five to six minutes each. Um, so these short little films that can either be played separately or as a whole. Mm. Um, but it was really exciting because I was able to, when we first asked that question, why, why put it on film? And it's because you can, we, we, we thought we could really get into the space because it, it revolves around this light fixture that swings um, and is on a rope that reveals and un- Unreveals. What's the opposite of reveal? <laughs> hides. <laughs> reveals and yeah, reveals and hides the body. <laughs> um, hence why it's called body and light. And so, so you can really exaggerate that on film. Yeah. Um, and we tried to ex- yeah, and we yeah, tried to add and exaggerate some uh, elements. So we had wind um, in one of the first vignettes where they're really being blown by these industrial fans, mm. um, and then the final vignette uh, is takes place with water. So so character steps into these um, galoshes that are filled with water, starts to do a solo in that, and slowly it just gets more and more wet. Um, so that, that was a project I did. Um, and just really excited to take that and see what it turns into, because unlike other projects in the past, it was I didn't have it all planned out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like all of my shots and storyboards. I came oh, into wow. it, I kind of knew the dance, but like, we were just going to figure this out <laughs> definitely yeah. how important is it to understand the choreography in advance are there shots where you are uh, asked think, to move with the choreography? i think you absolutely have to know the choreography um yeah. well i say that but i've i've so frequently just ended up um like so much of the work i end up doing i'm actually filming something i've never seen before sure so that that's an art in and of <laughs> itself but when trying to create a dance film you need to know your content because you need to know your objective and your end goal Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to see the edits. You need to see, be able to see ahead into your process. Yeah. yeah. Well, that will be exciting to see when it comes out. When do you think that? Are you editing it too? I'm editing as well. I oh, hope good. to have something to show by the end of the month. Oh. Uh, it's going to be a challenge because I'm also have. It's going to be sending back and forth between Montreal because Ian's going to be actually composing, recomposing his, his music to it. Okay. So that process may take longer than. Um, I anticipate. (laughs) Submissions for the San Francisco Dance Film Festival open on February 1st. I think they're open through April 30th. Okay. Maybe you guys want to submit. Yeah. That'd be exciting. And um, I know that we are getting to an end here, but um, what are your future goals in dance and video? Uh. I originally got into film because I wanted to do music videos, and I, that, that is still something that I am passionate about. So I would like to return to that, return to that idea, because <laughs> I, I haven't actually done it yet. Because um, it's, 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 again, it's a synergy of music, which I'm passionate about, and movement, and, and film. It's, it's, it's everything I love. And, and the short form, you can get so much more experimental with. 
yeah. like a feature-length film, which are cool. You, you can only go so far with the budget you've got. Um, a short a, a music video, you can get, you can go anywhere. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Ben. Thank you for having yeah. me. Great time. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Pleasure.